and welcome back to the Scenario 7 podcast. My name is Sam and today I'm joined by my lovely co-host, it's Matt Collier. Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, thank you, Sam. How are you? Yeah, mate, I am doing well. A little tired after a 6am race this morning, but now I guess we know how it feels to live in Australia when the European races are. So... You've, you've got to respect their commitment. But yeah, 6 a.m. race this morning. That, of course, being the Australian Grand Prix, which we are here to review at a much more sociable hour, I must add. But um, before we get into talk about the race, let's start with qualifying, looking back to Saturday. And Matt, for you, what were the key things to come out of qualifying? Um, it, was, it was hectic, wasn't it? Uh, so many things happening. Um, the main one being the Latifi and Stroll one. Um, <laughs> I saw a very funny um, edit on the meme page of someone putting some Top Gear, Richard Hammond and Jeremy Clarkson. It's a race race audio <laughs> for it. And uh, yeah, there, there was a lot happened. Science obviously down in ninth place. And um, yeah, a lot of different things happened that we didn't quite expect to see in qualifying. Albon, uh, of course, disqualified for underfueling the car, which I thought was a bit naughty from the Williams team with them not coming out and explaining themselves. Alonso was unlucky. He was looking so set for a definitely a second row, potentially a front row finish in qualifying, but had a gear problem and went into the gravel. As you said, science was unfortunate, but of course the big thing, was the Stroll and Latifi accident. And Matt, in your opinion, I mean, Stroll ended up getting a three-place grid penalty. Whose fault was it? Is a three-place grid penalty for Stroll fair? Um, I'd say the blame more goes towards uh, Latifi, personally. Um, You know, Stroll's... Yeah, it was just a mess, really, wasn't it? Um, I guess Stroll was, I understand Stroll's point of view, you know, he's, he's sees, I think it was a McLaren of Ricardo who was pushing behind, he's tried to get out of the way. Um, yeah, Latifi was like, oh, I'm just going to re-overtake now. And I don't know, maybe didn't get the message that there was a fast McLaren um, from behind, but you know, if, if Latifi rewatched that and kind of digested it all, um, I, I think he should have realised that, you know, McLaren is fast approaching. Stroll has overtaken him, fair enough. But, yeah, it, it was a mess, to be honest. So. Yeah, I think a mess is a great way to describe it. It definitely didn't shine Canadian F1 drivers in a great light. I disagree that it's more towards Latifi. I think it's more Stroll's fault. However, it could go either way for me because it's just such a stupid situation to have in qualifying. So you have Latifi, of course, pulling over, letting Stroll pass because they thought he thought that Stroll was a faster car, but Stroll was on either an in or out lap. So Latifi then tries to re-overtake. But the issue for Latifi is 
first of all, he didn't know. That's fair enough. That he, if he was a faster car enough, that's fair enough. That's more to do with his race engineer letting him know. But he's tried to re-overtake him at such a weird place at the track, which for that I think that's really stupid. And then Stroll, I think, is more to blame because while Latifi was trying to overtake at a stupid part of the track, Stroll has to look in his mirrors and see Latifi coming. He does end up just swerving into him. Admittedly, it's not because he's intentionally doing it. He's just not seen him in his mirrors. He's seen cars behind. It's, it's a complete mess of a situation. I think a three-place group penalty for Stroll was harsh. I think it was more his fault, but three-place, I thought that it was a bit... It was a bit... 70-30, whose fault was maybe 60-40. It was just a stupid incident. But, of course, Stroll gets a three-place grid penalty from 20th and ends up starting 19th because Albon's gets disqualified. So a three-place grid penalty did absolutely nothing. But, um, yeah, that, that incident in particular was just an absolute mess and probably best that both drivers forget it. Though this isn't the first time Stroll... It's been accused of not checking his mirrors. Remember when he crashed into, was it uh, Vettel in the Ferrari on an in-lap after a race and he had to get on a car, I think it was Pascal Verlein's car, and uh, get back to the pits. Stroll just needs to check his mirrors. And these are two drivers that are not getting much praise in F1 at the moment. Anyway, onto the race, onto the main event. And first of all, Matt, what were your general thoughts on the race? Um, I, I think it was quite good. I quite enjoyed it. Um, a lot of unexpected uh, race results. Um, of course, you had all the safety cars, um, lots of drivers doing different strategies, going long, pitting early. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think um, the DRS zones definitely improved the overtaking from uh, a few years ago and um, yeah it was it was thoroughly entertaining um, especially at one point there was a Albon train and everyone was trying their best to uh, overtake each other so yeah that no, was a very good race. Yeah I would agree with you I thought it was a good race while Leclerc was very dominant from start to finish I think that was clear apart from maybe a safety car restart which he still stayed in front at. He didn't drop any positions. The midfield batters were very good throughout. As you mentioned, the Albon strategy, which we'll talk a bit more about later. I know you're king of strategy, so I bet you love that one. But yeah, you have you had the train because of that. And you battles all over the field. I thought that as much as we can criticise Stroll, there were times in the race that he did some fantastic defending where he learned that he weren't allowed to weave. Like after that, he he did some good defending. So there was, I thought it was a good race, and I'm glad to see Australia back on the calendar because it's just a. I think it's a great venue. But you touched on it a bit there about the track changes. Do you think that the track is now? perfect in the fact that do you think that the changes improved it a lot do you think they've improved it at all what did you think about the changes on the race or is there still a bit of a way to go um i th i think mainly the cars 
improve overtaking and not necessarily the changes to the track. Um, yeah, but I think the DRS zones still improved overtaking opportunities, but there were some points where you just wanted a few more um, bits of tarmac to, you know, make the overtaking um, more easier. And yeah, I remember, well, they were discussing about four DRS zones. Um, I'm pleased they went down to three DRS zones. Um, I think they soon realised that that was, that was a mistake and it just would have been even more chaos and almost probably more dangerous um, having four DRS zones. So, yeah, I think the changes definitely uh, improved the race. Mm, yeah, I think that there's still a way to go with this track. I think that you, you mentioned it there. Some of the straights need to be longer because the big opportunities come when there is DRS on these straights. But the problem is the main straight after um, you come, yeah, after, after the last corner, you come to the main straight and you get DRS, but there isn't that much overtaking you can really do because it's not that long a straight similar to the second DRS zone. I don't think that's particularly long either. You saw some moves there, but it wasn't that particularly long. So I think that into, in order to improve it, they need to potentially make straights longer and it would improve the, the racing, the amount of overtakes. But I, I definitely think there was improvement to what it used to be. I, it, it, took me a, it took me a while to get used to racing in Australia again, but not with the circuit that we've come so, become so accustomed to. But I, I do think that it probably did improve the racing. Now on to the incident report going through all the incidents throughout the race. And there aren't really that many talking points this week. So we'll start on lap two. We had Carlos Sainz spinning into the gravel at turn 10, which caused a safety car just wrapping up an awful weekend for him. A lot of it wasn't his fault. That incident definitely was. <laughs> lap 23, we had Sebastian Vettel losing it at turn four, which is so rare. You rarely ever see someone losing it coming out of turn four. I think Martin Brundle said it was a highly unusual uh, crash there, but that brought out a safety car. On lap 39, we had Max Verstappen pulling over with a fire in the back of his car, causing VSC. Matt, I know you mentioned early in the season that the, one, the biggest problem for Red Bull will be reliability, and again, proved right with that incident. The main thing that we can really debate from the incident report was Bottas got forced off by Stroll on lap 42, which the stewards decided not to give a penalty for. What do you think about this? Because I, I'm not sure I agree with the stewards, but I'm, 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 pretty, I'm, I'm pretty unsure currently. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think when Bottas got squeezed off, he lost uh, two places in the end. And yeah, I, I felt that deserved a, a penalty or at least Stroll to drop back behind Bottas. Um, yeah, I think personally, I think that one deserved some sort of punishment. Mm, yeah, 
I think I agree. I guess the main argument for Stroll is he thought that it was his corner, though I just feel like Bottas was given no room. You're meant to leave a car's width. There definitely wasn't a car's width. He was pretty much off the track. You can argue he made the overtake while... Uh, yeah, he made the overtake while Bottas was basically off the track. It was just... It was a bit aggressive. However, we've seen it quite a lot last year with Verstappen doing it, and he didn't get penalised for many of them, if any, really. So I think the stewards are looking at that leniently. What, what I think, probably a penalty, but the stewards were lenient there, and Bottas got a good finish in the end anyway, and Stroll <laughs> didn't get that great a finish. So in the end, Bottas still got some good points. So it doesn't matter too much in the end. Stroll also got a five-second penalty for weaving on the straight, but I didn't see what lap it was, so didn't mention it on the lap-by-lap stuff. I'm pretty sure we're in agreement. Pretty blatant. Do you agree with the decision? Yeah, I haven't. Uh, personally seen it I think the stewards are trying to be more stricter as you would explained all the Verstappen weaving that he did last year he'd normally get one warning and then that would be it whereas this one it was you know stroll you're weaving that's a penalty so yeah I think the stewards definitely trying to tighten up uh, all the weaving that drivers do Mm, yeah, I certainly think it's a positive. I, I've seen it a few times, and the problem is when you're defending like he was, you can make one move to defend, but the problem was that Stroll made another. So Stroll went to his right-hand side to cut off, I think it was Bottas, might be wrong, might be another driver, but he, he, he went right to cut off the driver, but then when the driver switched to his left, he then cut back left, which you can't do because that is, I guess, weaving. So I think the stewards were right for that one. A few people thought a five-second penalty was harsh, but you've got to crack down on it because it could cause some people to get hurt. Now I think we move on to the team-by-team breakdown because there's a lot to talk about um, individually here. Uh, with each team. A few interesting results, as you mentioned earlier, but let's start with the Ferrari, the team that didn't actually get the most points this weekend, but did have the driver winning the race. So they had Charles Leclerc, of course, first to first, as well as getting the fastest lap on the last lap. And then they had Carlos Sainz starting ninth and DNFing. How do you sum up their weekend with uh, the two drivers? Um, I think from Leclerc's point of view, it's perfect. He's doing everything he can. Um, In terms of Ferrari and Carlos Sainz, um, I think Ferrari won't be happy with Sainz's result. I know there was a lot of bad luck, but, you know, these are the early races where Ferrari are clearly the fastest car and you want to get as many points as, as possible before teams develop their car loads. And yeah, we talked about um, the championship battle and who were the drivers. Um, we talked about Carlos Seitz and, you know, was he in this championship 
battle and a race like that isn't going to get you a world championship. Even if you're starting in ninth, you'd expect him to claw back a few places and, I don't know, finish fifth, for example. But, uh, yeah, I think Leclerc will be happy. But in terms of the constructors for Ferrari and Sainz, I think they'll be disappointed. Mm, yeah, I mean, you've pretty much said it all. Leclerc didn't put a foot wrong all weekend. First in qualifying, first in the race, didn't concede a place at all. And there were signs, just a lot of bad luck. In qualifying, he was looking good, had a few problems. And then he had to change his steering wheel just before the race started. And then went into anti-stall just before the, all lights went out. So he lost loads of places at the start. And then was clearly getting frustrated on a lap two got a bit too confident on not on the cold, hard tyres and just lost it and couldn't recover the car. Really unfortunate in some points, but him DNFing was human error. It was his fault. Not ideal for Ferrari to have a DNF, especially when their reliability looks head and shoulders above every other teams because you have the Red Bull, you've had a few issues with the um, Alpha Tauri, and then, of course, you've had double DNF first race, and in this race, Verstappen couldn't finish, so Red Bulls look dodgy for reliability. Mercedes are not clear from reliability issues either because, of course, you had Vettel breaking down in practice, and Hamilton was managing overheating issues. You had the um, McLaren of Norris nursing issues at the back of at the end of the race. Of course, we don't know if that's engine related, but Ferrari just looks so solid reliability wise. They need to capitalize to get as many points before teams like Mercedes find pace and Red Bull find reliability. But now on to the Mercedes Benz team and. I think a better weekend than they could have hoped for, to be honest. George Russell starting in sixth, finishing third, and Lewis Hamilton starting fifth, finishing fourth. George Russell is now second in the driver's table, which is quite hard to believe. But how do you reflect on Mercedes' weekend? Um, Yeah, you basically explained it very good. You know, if they got third and fourth, they would be delighted. And, yeah, the fact that they're second in the constructors and Russell's second in the drivers' championship and, you know, everyone was talking about how how this is one of the toughest years for Mercedes, but, you know, they're still... They've got a driver in second and the the constructors are second, so it's not exactly all doom and gloom for them. And... Yeah, their car's definitely looking a lot better from the the first three races. Mm, Which is quite strange because they have not changed any parts in their car. I think they've just gone with a... I think they said they've gone for a bit of an aggressive setup this weekend and it seems to have worked. George Russell, just a fantastic race, but he was very lucky because you had the safety car, so he got to do his pit stop under, I'm not sure if it was VSC or if it had been to upgraded to safety car at the time, but he had got his pit stop done, so he literally came out where he uh, went in, and then Hamilton just pit stops 
not pit stops, safety cars and VSCs are just going against him because his strategy was fine. And then a few laps later, this safety car comes out. You have George Russell who gets a free stop. You have, when the safety car came out, he was catching to re-overtake Perez, which was a move that I think he probably would have got done. But literally the safety, he's just been really unlucky so far. But fourth place in this car that has not looked great all year, did definitely had its best in terms of race pace, was matching Red Bull this weekend. So that's definitely a positive. But I think that fourth and third, they'll be very happy with it. Talking about Red Bull, they, they're just carried by Sergio Perez. Uh, let's, let, let's be fair here. He's, he's above Verstappen in the Drivers' Championship, so he's just a miles better driver. Let's, let's be real. We had Sergio Perez coming from third to finish second in a result which is definitely the best that, uh, that, Pe- that Perez could have done because Leclerc was just off. And then Verstappen hammering home that reliability issue again, second to DNF. What do you think of Red Bull's weekend? And should they be concerned going forward? Um, yeah, I think they should be concerned going forward. Um, they've got a lot more competition slowly creeping up behind them. Um, I think Martin Brundle said that one stage during the race that the Mercedes was the faster race car than uh, the Red Bull because Hamilton, you know, kind of appeared out of nowhere and was all over the back of Perez at one stage. And yeah, this this reliability for Red Bull is not looking good at all. Um, yeah, they were Perez should have arguably won Saudi Arabia. He DNF'd, well, both Red Bulls DNF'd in the first race. Another DNF for Verstappen in this race. And yeah, they've they've got a lot of a lot of work to do with all this reliability stuff. And it's not like it's the same problem. These are all different issues. And yeah, it, it must be very frustrating to be in a Red Bull team at the moment. Mm, yeah, definitely frustrating. You can tell in the interviews that Verstappen, especially, is getting very annoyed with it. It will just Red Bull are just such an interesting team because you Christian Horner came out in the interview and was like, I would rather us to be a fast, have a fast car with poor reliability than be a slow car with great reliability. So I think that says a lot in terms of their building their car to be the fastest and then reliability is a bit of a, a second, um, a second thought while they're not like weighing them on the same level. So I thought that was quite interesting from that interview. But yeah, 18 points this weekend for them. Still behind Mercedes. Perez is carrying big up Sergio Perez. Now on to McLaren. And they McLaren fans will be overjoyed. I wish we could have Josh here from America because I bet he was jumping up and down when, when he probably woke up in or whatever hours the morning that he watched the race because McLaren did so very well this weekend. First of all, in qualifying, Lando Norris, qualifying fourth, that came out of absolute nowhere. I mean, I know they were showing signs in practice because Norris in 
FP3 did finish first, but fourth in qualifying, very impressive. And Ricardo as well, seventh. That is a big step up from the, the first two races of the season. And then Norris finishing fifth, <clears throat> Ricardo sixth as well, getting some great points for the team. How do you um how do you sum up their weekend? Lando Norris is still taking the pessimistic approach, saying that they just got lucky that the track suited them. But what do you think? Are they making steps in the right direction? Do they have they had a very good weekend? Yeah, they do have a good weekend. I can understand what Norris is saying because there aren't massive straights around this track. But um yeah, the McLaren's porpoising issue definitely looked a lot better uh, this weekend and yeah they're, they're slowly getting to where I think they should be and that's top of top of the midfield and it wasn't just Norris that was putting in the good performance it was also Ricardo um, they were basically following each other the whole race um, Ricardo only finished um, half a second off Norris at the end of the race and these are the big points that McLaren need um, because a lot of teams are having reliability issues and they're they're just there to pick up the points. So, uh, yeah, McLaren fans will definitely be happy. Mm, Yeah, we'll see if this good form carries on as we go into the European season. But, yeah, definitely a big positive for McLaren this weekend. Next is on to Alpine. And on the surface of it, some decent points. But I feel like if you delve deeper, it could have been so much more. First of all, Esteban Ocon starting eighth and finishing seventh. That was a great result. But then you had Fernando Alonso, who started 10th, could have been front row, finishing 17th because strategy just let let him down, really. What, what do you think of the Alpine weekend? I mean, Alonso finishing 17th is... Just really unfortunate because he showed some great race pace, didn't he? Yeah, he, he showed great race pace and great, uh, sorry, great quality pace as well. Um, but I think six points, um, they probably probably wanted more like a P6 or P5. And, you know, those points just above them were taken by by McLaren. So, yeah, they'll, they'll kind of be a bit, surprised at McLaren's pace and uh, I think they're their main competition at the moment so yeah Alonso finishing 17th if you said is is not where you'd expect him to finish Mm, yeah because he'd stretched this hard tire out for so long of course not as long as the the man the myth the legend Alex Albon but stretched out for a long time and then finally pit went onto this medium compound and the graining on, I think it was the left front tyre, was just was crazy really early on. So we had to come into the pits again. And at that time, he was just at the back of the grid. So frustrating for Alonso, what could have been so much more, but a solid result for Ocon. Alfa Romeo next. And unfortunately, Valtteri Bottas did end his qualifying streak, 103 uh, Q3 appearances in a row was over as he started in 12th but did finish in 8th while Zhou Guan Yu started 14th and finished 11th so 
both of them gaining places in the race. What do you think about Alfa Romeo's um, weekend? Um, yeah, as you explained, Bottas's quality streak came to an end. I think in the first quality session, he was looking really good. And then in just the second one, he just couldn't hook, hook the lap up together. Um, yeah, Bottas is picking up the points. Guan uh, Yu Zhou's already got a point, to be fair to him, in his rookie season. So, yeah, I think they'll still be happy with how the weekend's gone. Um, but there's definitely a lot more competition in the midfield for the, the bigger points. Yeah, the midfield battle is definitely hotting up. And a team that did very well in the first two races, carried by one driver, admittedly, got zero points this weekend, being one of only two with the other one, being Aston Martin, who are absolutely rubbish. So, Haas, not really sure what happened this weekend. Kevin Magnussen starting 16th and finishing 14th, and Schumacher finishing uh, 13th after starting 15th. So, Magnussen, who looked very good first two races, beaten by his teammate in both qualifying and the race. What do you think happened with Haas this weekend? Was it the track? Was it a setup that they got wrong. I mean, from where they were, getting zero points is quite a difference. Yeah, I th- I th- it could be a lot of things. It could just be the track and how short all the main straights are and that they weren't wasn't able to use their full power package. Um, yeah, but Magnuson 14th, having such a brilliant first race, getting P5 and... Yeah, Mick Schumacher, um, you know, outqualified Magnussen uh, this weekend, which which was a surprise. And yeah, I don't know. The car just didn't turn up for this weekend. Um, I do feel like uh, Haas could have done the strategy slightly different with uh, with uh, Magnussen because I think he was, I think it was him, Alonso, and Albon that didn't pit, and that there was that. Fingers a uh, virtual safety car window, and yeah, the fact that he's just been beaten by his teammate, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shock, really. Mm, yeah, certainly was a shock. I'm sure they'll come back fighting in Emilia Romagna next race, but yeah, it was very strange to see them off the pace after such a great start, but. At the end of the day, if you'd have told Gunter Steiner they'd be on what points they're on after three races this season, he'd have, he'd have bitten your hand off. He'd have done things that I'm not going to say on the podcast, but he said in an interview. So he would be very he he will be very happy with how many points they're on, even after a disappointing weekend. Alpha Tauri next, and of course the other team that has the Red Bull engine in. Pierre Gasly was the driver that brought home all the poor points, starting 11th, finishing 9th. Yuki Sonoda started 13th, finishing 15th. Yeah, I thought, I still think he might have a breakthrough season, but the early, the early races aren't really showing it. He's not being helped by the poor reliability, but today... I personally didn't hear about any issues with his car. Finishing 15th, I think he could have done a lot better. But what do you think about how Alpha Tauri did this weekend? Um, yeah, it's just the midfields 
hotting up, as you said, and it's a lot more competitive. Um, Gasly's still got two points. Um, but yeah, Yuki Sonoda finishing 15th in the end isn't, you know, he's had his first year in F1. You kind of expect him to be doing a bit better, not finishing 15th. And yeah, the, the competition in the midfield's definitely hotting up. And a race like this, you'd want Yuki Sonoda to be finishing higher up the grid. Mm, yeah, especially finishing behind Stroll two hats who are off the pace in a car which I'm not really sure yet about where it is in terms of pace but it's got a Red Bull engine in it so it's got to have some speed but reliability letting it down and Sonoda just not doing great but Gasly some solid points now on to the penultimate team and we get to talk about your lookalike Alex Albon and wow, what a race today. Starting 20th after them not fuel, putting enough fuel into his car, which was stupid, to be honest. In qualifying, you can moderate it so much better than the race. I don't really understand how they've done that and or why they've done that if they've done it deliberately. But starting 20th and finishing 10th, getting a point, and then Nicholas Latifi starting 18th, finishing 16th, whatever. But Alex Albon, <laughs> wow, what a race. Getting a point for the Williams. You love your strategy. What did you make of that strategy from Williams? Say To say it was bold would probably be an understatement. Yeah, it was one of those like 100 IQ strategies and it, it paid off. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I kept looking at Albon saying, how, long, how many more laps is he going to do on that tyre? Um, I can only imagine there's like, if there was a tyre wear graphic, how shot his tyres were. Um, but at the same time, you know, he, yeah, I think he had Ocon behind for a lot of it and Ocon just couldn't get past. He had to, Ocon had to drop off because of like calling issues. And yeah, that, I think that one point for Williams could be worth so much in the grand scheme of things um, because Aston Martin just look nowhere at the moment. And Latifi, uh, 16th, you know, he he, he finished above Alonso, but, you know, (laughs) to give it a bit of praise. Um, But, yeah, it just hasn't been Latifi's weekend. Yeah, no, I don't think it's been Latifi's season so far, but kept out with a wall. I'm sure that's probably what all the teams said, to be honest. They probably just went in, listen, you've cost us a fortune already. Just please just finish the race. But 16th for Latifi wasn't last, so improvement, and he did finish. But then Albon, sensational. I Watching this, I'm not going to lie, I just assumed that Martin Brundle... And um, Crofty were wrong. I was like, nah, he must have pitted. He just pitted on early lap. Uh, he, he must have pitted. Like, I, I just couldn't believe it. And then he, just seeing him go in on the last lap and just you, you see Leclerc crossing the line and then you see a car coming out of the pits and it's Alex Albon and he holds on to Joe. I really wish they showed a bit more of that battle because... That, that would have been quite interesting to see that. But, of course, they're going to show the car that's just won it, the celebrations of all that. 
But yeah, fantastic strategy from Williams. I can't believe it worked. What shocked me the most is that even when his tyres were over 50 laps old, he was matching the times of the cars behind him, which is crazy on that. I mean, it's a hard compound, but stretching it that long was impressive from Albon, impressive, impressive strategy in terms of the team knowing he could do it. So... Round of applause! Round of applause for Williams because, as you said, that point could be the difference. Now on to Aston Martin, who we've mentioned uh, a bit. First of all, with Stroll, nineteenth to twelfth. So on the on the looks of things, that's 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 not too bad. And then Vettel, seventeenth to DNF, and it just really wasn't Vettel's weekend because. I'd put him into a similar category because him, Signs, Alonso, all just kind of had nightmares this weekend. Of course, Alonso managed to finish the <laughs> managed to finish the race, but was last. They all just had absolute nightmares, and they're, they're drivers that we wouldn't expect to have these problems. I mean, Vettel losing it where he did was. I'd, I'd argue rookie error. Signs lo- losing it where he did was, I'd also say rookie. And then Alonso, I mean, in the race, he didn't really do anything wrong. He just got unlucky with a bit of tyre deg. But just these experienced drivers making mistakes. And Vettel has just had probably the worst weekend of all of them because his car broke down in second practice. I think is I think I think it's this way around. Car broke down second practice, third practice he crashed, then qualifying he got out for one lap. To be honest, 17th off one lap isn't isn't too bad, especially in that car. But then crashing in turn four in the race, just nightmare for Vettel. But yeah, I've waffled a bit. What do you think of Aston Martin's weekend? There's not really much to say. Is there really, apart from the fact that it was pretty poor again? Yeah, uh, it's it's been a disaster. I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, I mean, Vettel has had COVID, to be fair to him, and, you know, he's had a few weeks um, not driving this Aston Martin. Um, but I think I think it was Paul DeResta saying that, you know, does Vettel look motivated? Um I, I discussed in previous pods about, you know, what age do these these drivers just drop off? And I don't know, it could this could be Vettel's last season in F1. Um, the car is just not performing, you know, to what he'd like. And, yeah, he's, he's still struggling, I think. Uh, at one stage, he said that he didn't know when to brake. The brakes were just so unpredictable. And... Yeah, Stroll, I do feel like, I don't know, Stroll was in a good position, personally, I think, that race. And you maybe could have got 10th, maybe could have got one point. And, yeah, he's, he's weaving and just forcing Bottas off the track. Yeah, just it just was an awful weekend, really, for Aston Martin. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree. I think that this is Vettel's last season. As you said, I don't think he looks motivated at all. I think 
he would have been promised a good car that can compete. And what he's got is far from it. It's a car that's just not very quick. That's bottom of the constructors. It's not the Haas from last year. Like we, we, we've got to make that clear. It's not as bad as the Haas was last year because Stroll coming 12th proves that, but it's still a car that's not really that competitive. And realistically, the highest they're going to fi- finish this season is probably, what, eighth? And that's like the max they could achieve if they get a few upgrades and get some good points. But yeah, Vettel, I think this could be his last season because it looks very frustrated. Right, final thing is deciding. Driver of the day. few nominees for this one, but Matt, who have you gone for? Um, I've gone for Alex Albon. Um, I think it was just a phenomenal drive in the race. Um, I don't know how he made those tyres last 56 laps. And as you would explain, he was keeping on the pace lap time-wise with the cars around him, mainly behind him. Um, Ocon just couldn't get past. Um, he had to back off. And... Yeah, there was a lot of discussion about who would get this Williams seat at the start of the season, whether Bottas would end up there, whether uh, Nick De Vries would get this seat, and um, Alex's pal, Russell, you know, he definitely convinced the Williams um, team boss. And yeah, I, I think that was a superb drive from Albon. Um, and as I said, that, that one point could be worth so much in the grand scheme of things. Mm, yes, yeah, certainly a great point. There is the debate about whether Williams, Latifi makes people look good or if they have genuine talent. But Albon making those tyres stretch today, I think, showed his genuine talent and that he's a very good racing driver. But I have gone for a man you've mentioned when talking about your driver the day, Esteban Ocon, the man who struggled to get past the Williams drive, of course, but did have an overheating problem. He carried Alpine in terms of the points uh, today. Over the weekend, he looked, he got some good results. Eighth in qualifying, pretty decent. Of course, it could have been better for Alpine with Alonso, could have done much better. But Ocon made it stick, did really well. This season, I've talked about him a lot, looks very, very good. Looks to be up to this weekend looked to have been the better driver out of him and Alonso. Though this weekend, I feel like that's flipped a bit, even though Alonso did finish 17th and didn't beat him in qualifying either, which I know is crazy to say, but I think Alonso this weekend did really come out strong. But yeah, Ocon is looking very good. Ocon did what he was trying to do, what he had to do, and managing an overheating problem at the end to finish 7th, with Bottas in a very quick Alfa Romeo coming up behind. Good good result. So Esteban Ocon is my driver of the day. And that wraps up our podcast reviewing the Australian Grand Prix. After a long absence, we finally returned to the Albert Park circuit and it was a very good race. But if you want more of this, if you want more reviews, if you want more previews, a fantasy show, make sure to like, subscribe and follow us on social media to stay up to date with whatever we're going to be bringing out. And we've really ramped up the content this year. 
bringing you a lot of it. So make sure you keep up to date with it and keep interacting. We appreciate it. Comment who you think did well. Who you who was your driver of the day? Let us know. Bia, thank you for watching. We'll see you in Emilia Romagna for a preview and review and fancy show in two weeks' time.